is BTS with CTV Behind the Scenes, Behind the Stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver Newsroom. My name is Penny Daflos, and I'm your host behind the curtain, which takes us to the legalization of marijuana. This You're hearing this podcast the day that marijuana becomes legal, but we're recording it with just hours to go, and I'm sitting with our assignment editor, Scott Bills. Thank you so much for finally being on BTS. G'day, Penny. It's nice to be here, finally. And this is a really special episode because I really wanted to take people behind the scenes to when they watch our coverage tonight on what is a historic day for our country, for them to understand how we're choosing the stories that we cover, how we're looking at the coverage. Uh, And you're a guiding force in that because you're our assignment editor. So explain first, what does an assignment editor do? Um, Well, my job as the assignment editor is basically I choose the stories that we're going to cover uh, on any given day for news. And I work with a team of producers, managers, and the reporters like yourself. And we talk about the stories that we think are important to cover that day. Um, That varies day by day. For something like this, like, yes, tomorrow's a big day, but this has been, for us, months of planning because we knew this date was coming. Uh, We've had many meetings. There's been a lot of input and a lot of plans put in place as to how we're going to cover the story. And in terms of our coverage leading up to today, I think it's important that people understand that reporters often pitch stories, but then people also come to us. So when we're coming up with something that you see on the six o'clock news, sometimes it's something that I've observed that's really interesting or that you've observed um, more from an almost thematic perspective, because you're almost like the conductor of an orchestra. You're looking at what everybody is doing and then you're figuring out, you know what, we have not actually covered, you know, because I did a story a few weeks ago on the social norms. What are we going to do as a society to approach this? Uh, Sometimes people pitch us and they say, you know, I can't get over the smell in my neighborhood. So there's a lot of sources for our um, stories that we're actually putting on the air every day. Yeah. And some of the best stories are just, they come from the simplest questions, which is like, why is that the way it is? If they just have a simple question that we can answer, like, um, you know, a big one with marijuana is like, what's going to happen? How am I going to buy weed? Because the only legal store is going to be in Kamloops today. So how am I going to get my weed? So we, we try to answer those questions. And if people come to us and just say, look, I saw this thing that happened. I want to know why. That sometimes, you know, they end up being the best stories, stories that people are already talking about um, that we can help contribute to. And I think the greatest source of our frustration as reporters and you as my, as my immediate boss is we are asking questions that a lot of us have that should be relatively easy to answer. But those questions aren't always... Th- easily answered. And the people who are able to answer those questions may sometimes, I'm just thinking government, because we have been trying to figure out what's going to happen with supply and whatnot. And oftentimes we get an emailed statement at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. It's a one-way conversation where they're just sending us information. We can't actually answer the questions that people have and have a dialogue with these decision or policymakers to be able to get answers to those questions. They decide what they want to talk about. And that's all that we're able to put out there. Yeah. And that's, that's always frustrating. Um, for you, probably more so. Yeah. Because you're the one getting those emails. Um, but also, I think it's a lot of it is to do with when people answer our questions, they're answering stuff on the record. So they don't want to be wrong. So I'd like to give people the benefit of the doubt that when they do answer our questions, especially about really big topics that people want to know the answers to, we want to make sure that the answers we're getting are the correct ones. And the people who give us those answers, that's on the record. So they can be held to account. So I'd rather have the right answers than the wrong ones early. But for sure, it's frustrating, especially when it feels like it should be a simple answer. It's just one question we need answered. You know, we, and we ask it early in the morning. We give a lot of time. We're a TV station. Um, we want people to go in front of a camera um, 
And then when that doesn't happen, it is frustrating. And so then what has your kind of philosophy being on this because I know that some stations and some media outlets have focused more on the business side a lot have focused focused more on the um, politics side of it what do you think that our philosophy has been at CTV in terms of deciding which stories that we're going to cover well we always think about our viewer so who's watching our news and and you know for us a lot of that is the consumer Mm -hmm. so it's the average person at home who just wants to know what's going to be different after today and if I want to buy weed, how can I do it? Uh, what's it going to be like? What are the different strains? What do I need to know if I want to go across the border? What do I need to know if I want to get on an airplane and fly across Canada? How much can I carry? You know, those, that's, so when we do those stories, we're keeping the viewer in the forefront of our mind, or at least I try to. Um, businesses, is a, it's a great story because it also affects people who work in the industry. Um, so we try to think of all of them. But uh, for me personally, it's, you know, who are we working for in a sense? And that's our viewer. So I like to think about them when we're, when we're coming up with our stories. And we do, we have these conversations um, in our story meetings. You've been in them. It's not just me. These decisions aren't made in a vacuum. We have a lot of people that contribute. And um, yeah, hopefully we make the right choices and get the best stories. I think that people might also be amused to know that our theoretical viewer has a name. Sally and Surrey. Sally and Surrey, although it can be uh, Pat in Pitt Meadows or Kelly in Coquitlam. But we just, I, and I find it one of those things that people may laugh to think about Sally and Surrey, but that's actually one of the things that you're taught about when you're going on camera is to think about just talking to one person. Sometimes it could be your dad, it could be a close friend. But I think that when we have, when we almost almost personalize our viewers or our readers by thinking of Sally and Surrey, I do think that that helps our coverage in terms of being realistic about it and thinking about the average person in terms of how we approach an issue. Yeah, it makes us relevant, I Mm. think, because we are very conscious of who's watching our news or who we would like to think is watching our news and who we want to be watching our news. And we want to make sure that the news we're giving them is relevant to their life, their everyday experience. We want to give them a reason to watch us. So if we can provide value to their life, answer questions they have, and find stories that they're interested in, then I think that goes a long way. And do you think our tone plays into that as well? Because it's not um, like we're very conversational. We try not to use a lot of jargon and stuff. And I I feel like um, when you're giving me a story to do, yeah, we often use uh, streeters, which is, you know, man on the street when we just go talk to the average person. But I feel like even when we talk to even a physician, um, you know, when we were doing the science of pot a couple weeks ago, I think we were approaching it more um, from a non-judgmental average person kind of perspective. And that kind of has to go into, you know, the moment we start planning which story we're going to run for the day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we want to make sure that we're presenting it in a way that people can understand. But we also, you know, our viewer is not stupid and we don't want to ever talk down to our viewer. You know, they're intelligent people and we want to meet that. But we want to make sure that we're not isolating anybody in how we tell stories or how we choose stories. So when we do get a story that's, you know, quite technical, like a medical story or something like that, I think it helps to know who the viewer is because that helps us. Yeah, we want to avoid the jargon because if we don't know what it means, then how are we going to tell the viewer what it means and how it's important for them? Well, and it's hard with something like marijuana where a lot of the people that are now involved in the business, whether it's dispensaries or on the business side, they've been in it for so long. And so when they start talking about THC and CBD and all the sort of stuff... Um, I don't know anything about this this field. I'm just going to say that right now. So I've had to learn over the last several months doing a number of stories. I'm not going to call myself an expert in any way, but I've become familiar with a lot of the terminology. And then 
I, I feel like I have to think about that every single time I do a story because the viewer or the person watching it online may not be familiar with all the past stories. So you have to do things in such a way that you're, I, I don't want to say dumbing it down, but you're simplifying it, making it accessible, but also being um, thoughtful and intelligent about it. Cause like you say, they, they're not stupid. They, they understand these concepts. They may just need a little bit of a reminder each time we do a story. Yeah. And I think a lot of our viewers, I mean, I, I grew up in Australia and I admittedly don't know much about weed. I only learned that there were different strains recently. I actually had no idea. So, you know, our viewers know a lot and they certainly know a lot more than I do when it comes to this. So that's also something that we think about or something I think about. Um, But, you know, something like marijuana legalization, it's such a huge issue and it's so historic. Like I never thought I'd see a day where, you know, recreational marijuana is legalized. Um, You know, Australia is a long way behind that ever happening there. So to be part of that history, it's really exciting. And I don't take that for granted. Um, And in terms of how we tell our stories, then, you know, I like to try to keep that perspective there as well. And some people listening to this podcast, I've I've seen a lot on social media, people are saying, oh, the media is blowing this out of proportion and nothing's going to change after Wednesday. It's not a big deal. So many people smoke weed already. But I was talking to Chief Adam Palmer uh, just yesterday at a big uh, VPD press conference. And if he didn't use the term, it was something to the effect if he called it a seismic shift in our society and a really historic moment in our country. So I feel like while, you know, tomorrow may not be a huge change that we see immediately, uh, the repercussions of that are huge. And the stories that we start telling, it's not that the stories are going to change, but I feel like our perspective is going to be different when it's going to be that much more accessible. Yeah. And and also, we don't want to just look at it inside a bubble. Mm. You know, like it might, we might think nothing changes after today. And a lot of things might not, but that's because we're living here. We see it every day. You walk down the street in Vancouver, there are dispensaries everywhere. So, you know, that might not be different. But over the summer, my dad came to visit from Australia and to talk to him, who is a retired police officer, Mm. about the legalization of what was, is, was a prohibited drug. It is a huge change. It's really historic. And, you know, we live in this community so our experience is based in this community. But if we look outside, this is a big deal. I think it's a big deal um, in terms of how we see ourselves and, and how others would see us. And so then tomorrow or whenever people are listening to this podcast in relationship to our, our six o'clock newscast, how do you take such a huge issue and parse it out into uh, different assignments for reporters? Like, are we going to see five different stories on marijuana? Uh, how, how do you figure that out? And how do you kind of break that up in your mind in terms of our coverage on a huge story like this? Because while we're talking about marijuana right now, um, sometimes it's a huge flood. Uh, it can be an election. There are all sorts of days that are kind of special days where our coverage kind of gets fractured amongst different reporters because we want a more um, comprehensive coverage. So how do you consider, um, you know, divvying things up uh, for pot legalization day? Uh, well, the pot stuff, it's actually not too bad because a lot of the stories are geographically based, which helps because the first and only legal store is going to be in Kamloops. So we have a crew in Kamloops. They're going to be live there all day. They're going to be live nationally. Um, and that's a story. And that's nice. It's a clean, simple story of the first store opening in Kamloops. Uh, Then we'll have a Vancouver story, because what does it mean for dispensaries here? There are some that have been having going out of business sales that are going to close while they wait for their licenses to come through. Uh, There's a big rally planned in Victoria. So there's another simple story. We can have our legislative bureau 
cover that one. Um, the website, uh, how are they going to cope with demand? What's going to happen there? So, you know, you can either look at it geographically, which is a nice clean way of separating stories, or there are, you, you need to be very clear about what the editorial is. And we have meetings very early in the day, so we make sure that everyone is clear what their story is so there's no overlap. We don't want to be repetitive in our coverage. We want every story that the viewer sees to be something new, to be something different and something worth watching. So I'd, I'd like to think we have a pretty good plan. Um, we'll see what happens. Well, and it's tough because I think a lot of people will, in terms of being repetitive, uh, they're going to want to think, they're going to want something to present them with, well, how do I talk to my kids about this? And this is a story that we've covered several times over the over recent months, um, including, you know, guests on our morning show and, and all sorts of stuff. It's been covered quite a bit. So do you do a story on children and marijuana and how to talk to them on, on a big day like that? Or do you just maybe try to direct people towards the website? Like, how do you decide what is too repetitive versus a timely reminder of something that maybe we've covered before? Yeah, I, I think it depends on the day. And in the morning, we'll look at the stories we have. We'll decide, is this, is this getting too much? You mm -hmm. know, is it a story that needs to be told today? Or is it something that we could tell maybe the day after or the day after that? Like this marijuana issue is so big that it, it's going to be in the news for a while. So, you know, we don't need to have an hour special on pot legalization. So we can spread those out. It, it does depend on the day. So, I mean, the next time you're reporting... If you want to do that story. Are you giving me a heads up? Is that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I guess part of what you're thinking about when you're assigning stories as well is while we have uh, a lot of written stories and a lot of online following at the end of the day, TV news is a visual medium. And we often need to do stories that we have to get a little bit creative in terms of what we show. But for something like marijuana, um, I guess you can kind of pick and choose visually what is going to be a more um, engaging topic, I suppose, uh, in terms of getting our viewers to, to pay attention to what we're talking talking about. Yeah. And, and that also depends on the story. And I mean, our photographers are so experienced mm. and, you know, shooting marijuana stories is nothing new for a Vancouver photographer. They've done it many, many times, each of them. 420 every year. We've done so many stories on dispensaries. Um, you know, I think they're the best in the business. I really do. So I'm not I'm not worried at all about how to tell this story. I think they'll make it really visual. I mean, something like the Kamloops store opening, if there are lines outside, that's an automatic visual story. The, the look at the shelves for the very first time to see what are the shelves going to look like inside a BC government cannabis store. I just want to see what that looks like. So that, that's a really good visual element. And then protests uh, in support or against you know, they're always good. So it, it's, we're pretty lucky, I think, uh, with the visuals for this. And we really do have a department that I think goes above and beyond uh, to try to make our stories as, visual, as visually compelling as possible. And I think that they're actually going to be celebrating as of uh, midnight because finally people are going to be not so reluctant to be on camera. One of the things, you know, it's funny, it, we you reuse the footage of 420 all the time because a lot of those people don't care about being on camera. You know, they're really proud of, you know, being part of this, what has been a subculture, but is now probably just going to be part of mainstream culture. But hopefully it's going to be easier to actually get people to... Um, show us what it is that they're doing when they're rolling a joint or when they're doing whatever, because dispensaries, uh, some workers have not wanted to go on camera there either. So it's made it really challenging to be accurate and really show what's happening when we when people don't want to go on camera because they're worried because it, it has been technically still illegal. Yeah, it, it, I think it's actually going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. 
um, because you're right, and and that's how we end up with the shots on TV that we show yes. every year of the yep. people with the marijuana leaf sunglasses and the hoodies blowing smoke into the camera. Um, but there is another side to it, so I'm excited to see uh, how people's attitudes will change uh, and just how closely, you know, the cultural shift is tied to the legalization. Um, because I'd love to tell the story of, you know, the, the middle-aged parents trying weed for the first time. Or seniors. I've heard anecdotally so many people in their 70s or 80s who've actually never used it, have been very curious. Uh, They maybe they have some aches and pains or whatever, or they think it would just be a nice way to relax the same way that maybe they enjoy a gin and tonic right now in the afternoon. And I'd love to tell that story, but there is still going to be a stigma for a while that is going to keep people from going on camera. Yeah. And as I said, I'm very, very interested to see how that plays out. One of the things I'm also looking forward to is one thing that we often discuss is um, we call them voices in our stories and who's going to speak on a certain issue. So if it's a healthcare issue, we often try to find a family. We'll try to find a healthcare provider um, or a, a childcare provider. And then they basically are almost stand-ins to talk about an issue. It's a storytelling device that makes it easier for us to talk about things. And over the years, people have seen again and again the same voices talking about marijuana. Uh, they've seen Jody Emery and Dana Larson, uh, who I, I appreciate that they have been very available to speak with us because it's it's good to have someone um, advocating on behalf of the industry. But in the past, I've tried to find other dispensary owners and other voices for people to talk about legalization or, or the changes coming to our society. And people have been so reluctant because of the legal status. So how do you feel about being able to give more companies or entrepreneurs or, or people a voice in, in terms of um, talking about this issue going forward? Yeah, it'll be good. I mean, it's going to take a bit of time because as of legalization, um, there's one government store that's allowed to be open. So I think it's going to take time for those private stores to open and get get approved. Uh, I know we're waiting on that because, I mean, trying to speak to someone who works at a government-run liquor store is going to be next to impossible. That's just not going to happen. So, I mean, I know there's been a lot of repetition in who we hear from, but up to this point... As you say, it's been a subculture and the people that you mentioned, Jody and Dana, those are the people that have really spearheaded um, advocating for legalization, advocating for the industry. And they're, they're experts. I mean, Dana Larson traveled around the province trying to push for legalization or trying to push for a vote. Yeah, the, the referendum, exactly. absolutely. And yeah. it was, uh, I don't know if you remember, but it was financed in part by Bob Erb, best name ever, a, a fellow who won uh, <laughs> a, a massive jackpot in the lottery. And he was helping Dana. That was a really great yeah. story on legalization or attempted legalization going back years. And that's yeah. an assignment editor's dream. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a reason we see people on television frequently. Um, it's because they know what they're talking about. And they're willing to talk to us. So it'd be great to have more people willing to talk to us who also know what they're talking about. But um, I know I'm always appreciative when anybody wants to talk to us about an issue, especially one that has been in such a legal gray area up until now. And so then if you kind of look into your crystal ball, just having overseen almost every single story we've ever put out on marijuana, what do you think are going to be the big issues and the big topics that we're going to be covering in the weeks to come? And then, because obviously long-term, it's a lot harder predict, but, to predict, but what do you think in the, in the coming weeks and next few months is going to be kind of the big stuff we go back to again and again? I think short-term, it's going to be demand mm. and whether supply can meet it. Uh, it's going to be the dispensaries and the private ones, because some have said that they're not going to close. And then 
Following on from that, it'll be the police response. Uh, and I can see that varying from region to region. Uh, also, the way different municipalities are embracing or rejecting legalization. There are some in Metro Vancouver that aren't going to have any uh, private stores available. I think the health concerns um, for young people will be a big one. Uh, we had a story on Vancouver Island a couple of weeks ago where a toddler ate a marijuana-infused gummy. Uh, now, I know edibles are not legal. For another year. For another Because that's going to be another whole other round of coverage. And, and it is illegal for people under the age of 19 to smoke, but it will be interesting to see... Uh, if there is any change in sort of hospital admissions or anything like that. And then looking further afield, I think the big question is going to be tax revenue and how much money is legalization making and where's that money going to go? Um, those are the issues that I think will come up. I mean, the, the best thing about news is that you never really know. And every day is a surprise. And those are my favorite stories, the black swan kind of unpredictable things that um, – you know, just uh, thinking today, the airport had a big media availability just in terms of travel. What happens if somebody has, you know, thinks that they're doing the right thing, that they've gone through everything, but they happen to have a joint squirreled away in a makeup bag or something that they don't really think about? They end up somewhere where um, it is super illegal. Clearly, they're going to be on the wrong side of the law, but how that's handled and how we talk about it and really social acceptance at that time, like, is that going to happen a year or two from now? And then what are our social norms at that point? Uh, yeah. That's what I'm really looking forward to kind of delving into because you know me I love the talker stories we call them the talkers <laughs> but but those are the ones that are kind of unpredictable and there's not a, really a right or wrong answer to something and it's more just a, something that's meant more for discussion than anything else yeah what's going to happen when a flight from Vancouver to Toronto gets diverted to the yes. U.S. yes oh I, I had not even <laughs> thought of that but yeah bad weather yeah. it happens every year several times a year and Sally's got a couple joints in her purse I'm waiting for that no, and there's going to be a, a lot of stuff. And I really hope that um, people who are listening to this podcast can um, can tell how open you are to um, people's experiences and their concerns. And if people do want to contact us and let us know, this is really weird, or I'm really happy with how this was handled or unhappy with how that was handled, we rely so much on our viewers to tell us what's going on and, and, and kind of give us a sense of what's going on in their community. Because each little neighborhood even has so many interesting things happening that we, I love to hear from people, even out in the field. I just, I chat with them all the time. And, and I know that you really value stuff that we get through our website and our Facebook page with people actually interacting with us and letting us know what they think should be on the news. Yeah. I mean, the best stories often come from the community. So anytime that can happen, it's fantastic. I want to thank you so much for being on BTS with CTV. Thank you, Penny. And thank you for all you've done with this podcast. I'd also like to thank you for joining us for BTS with CTV. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover on a future podcast? Email me, bts at ctv.ca. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Dapwas.